dogs in the yard Might need a guard Every loss taken to heart Me first, that cannot be Must be these underdog episodes, see? Feeling much better, so suddenly Under the Monica, Monica G Crafted at night while all of them sleep I won't look a fool Taking this tool, defeating the opposition around me No, no, I'm not sorry Yes, I'm taking this knowledge and party Just barking, no harm, don't be startled Yes, I'm taking the title And it's so vital Thanks for the ride, I'll never be idle Turn up the dial, it's about to get wild And the points gon' pile up Down is the underdog fight down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Down is the underdog fight down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Hey everyone, welcome to episode 160 of Dynasty Underdog. I'm your host, Ryan Dawkins. Driving tonight, Billy Beeman. What's up? If I'm a little distracted, it's because I'm currently in a redraft that is like a minute per pick. So I'm like high anxiety because us Dynasty folks, we only know slow drafts. Like, what are these people even I doing? Know. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Every year, the same thing. It's like, oh, we'll set the clock, minute, minute and a half. And I'm just like, oh, shit. This is going I'm used to like, you know, picking, going to bed, <laughs> <laughs> waking up, somebody hitting me OTC, OTC like three times. You're, like, you're on the clock. You're on the clock. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Uh, what platform? Uh, Yahoo, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. I mean, listen, well, I, I use that this too. is a non PPR league. I'm drafting for my father-in-law. Like these are like ancient folks, bro. This is, they're like, they're drafting on like scribes and like with like, <laughs> you know, chisel and like rock and shit. Yeah. Just nonsense. I don't know what they're doing. No decimal scoring. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing. No. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> full point scoring, only touchdowns, nothing else. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real way, the way it was meant to be. The way it was meant to be. Yeah, dude. You know, we're purists. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We have a ton of news, though, so that's cool. Let's, let's hop into that. Josh Jacobs, one of the last, you know, uh, I guess, holdouts or whatever. Josh Jacobs, he sends a one-year deal with the Raiders. I think he gets like $12 million or something like that. A little bit more than the franchise tag, so that's good for him. He got paid a little bit more, and they were trying to offer him, and he's there for another year. At least we know... I mean, I wasn't really concerned that he wasn't going to be there to begin with, but uh, at least we know now for sure that, like, hey, he, he's going to be there. He's going to do stuff. Uh, yeah, Jacobs being back in the building, that's that's great news for fantasy purposes. He should be a monster again this year. We're actually going to talk about some 300-plus rush attempt season stuff uh, in, in a few minutes here, and, and he's one of those guys who had a 300-plus attempt season this past year. He obviously never had one before. They're pretty rare these days, and the, the season after that is generally not the best. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does this year on a team that, that definitely needs him to you know take up a lot of volume once again. Yes. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about the 300-plus rush attempt thing before I ask you if you're, you're worried about him. But Definitely a little concerned about him. I'll just say that. Cool. Another big lose, uh, Trey Lance finally gets traded. Uh Greener pastures. He actually ends up in Dallas, which is fine as a Dallas fan. I'm perfectly fine with that. I think it's just, uh, from what I could tell, it didn't seem like he was getting a whole lot of instruction there in San Francisco. And it was just kind of put on the back burner. Maybe it was his work ethic. We don't really, really know. But he's going to Dallas. And, you know, Dak Prescott's a fourth round, actually, you know, a comp fourth round pick. He knows what it's like to be passed over and be passed over. And I don't think the type of person that Dak is, like I, I think he's going to be there to help Lance as much as possible. I don't think he's going to feel threatened by it. Although people just like, anytime anything happens with Dallas, it's like such a huge deal. It's a, it's the 
QB three on the team, but it's getting so much hype. But at least we could kind of, for now, stop talking about Trey Lance, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think we're all at a point, even the truthers can kind of agree, it, it's kind of over now, right? It, I mean, it would take a, a serious, significant Dak Prescott injury for him to ever even get a shot. And at that point, they might bring somebody else in because he's really just a project. He's a guy who they brought over as a project at this point. It's a tough situation. It, it sucks to get caught holding that bag. You and I, I forced us to get out early on him. I talked about this on the factory tour this week, which drops tomorrow morning, but uh, Friday, it'll drop Friday. Um, I talked about that a little bit, getting rid of him in a second in Debbie for T Higgins, I think is kind of what the deal ended up being. And it probably looked, a lot of people looked at it like that was a bad move at that time. But I think, you know, uh, what we were talking about on the factory tour, which I think is the, the lesson you can learn from this is, you know, try to see the writing on the wall. It's not, you know, that as a prospect, you, you or, as, or in terms of prospect analysis, you got this wrong. That's not really the lesson. The lesson is see the signs get out before it's too late. You know what I mean? And I think that's 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 something I'm good at doing. That's something I preach, and that's something where I think you can take you can take him as an example of that. Yeah, I mean, really, if you were still holding Lance after all this time, like it was just like a hope, right? It was it was like hopefully he gets a shot. Like I mean, I know like last year things might have been different if he didn't get injured last year. Like he might have developed into something that was uh useful for the team and then useful for us for uh, fantasy dynasty but when that didn't happen it was kind of pretty clear at least to a lot of us that's just it's just not gonna happen so yep trey lance uh qb3 for dallas cowboys and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there qb3 for the dallas Cowboys. just crazy to hear wild yep yeah so the next one i thought that was funny because uh you talk about pierre strong a lot and you really like him. And it seems like a lot of people really like his talent. Like when people were talking about him getting traded, yeah. he got traded to the Browns, by the way. When people were talking about it, like they're like, man, this guy's like really good, like free Pierre Strong. There's not a whole lot behind Nick Chubb right now, not a lot of healthiness behind Nick Chubb. So you think Pierre Strong's still one of those guys you want to try to draft as a handcuff or backup or I guess just like how do you feel about his place there? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't mind getting him in a deal as, like, a throw-in kind of thing. Or uh, in startups, for sure, I don't mind drafting him. I mean, the only thing behind Nick Chubb is Jerome Ford, and I think it still is Jerome Ford. But Pierre Strong offers something that Jerome Ford doesn't. Jerome Ford is Nick Chubb light, and probably that's even giving more credit than is deserved, potentially. But that's what he does in terms of style, right? Stylistically, he's Nick Chubb light. Pierre Strong, totally different kind of player. So... I think we could see usage regardless is kind of my point, and we could see him get on the field. And if he proves to be a little more dynamic than Jerome Ford, he might be able to take over that role. They traded for this guy. They clearly want him to get involved. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm interested in that. And I guess the uh, opposite of anything's there for the Patriots, just spitballing here. All they really have now is Ramondre and Zeke. So mm-hmm. as a <laughs> Patriots fan, yeah, how do you see this playing out? It's a, it's a Bill Belichick Running back backfield, right? So yeah, I, it's crazy. They they don't they do not just roster two running backs and one quarterback like they they. I mean, they just picked up Matt Corral. Not that that's worth really talking about, even for dynasty. I mean, in my opinion, but you know, if you like Matt Corral, go <laughs> go hog wild. I'm sure, it won't cost a lot, but for the running back position, you know, they brought Kevin Harris back on practice squad. I think that he'll probably make it to the active roster uh, more times than not. 
I just don't see them going into games with just two running backs being one being Zeke who could get injured at any time. And I mean, even Ramondre was banged up last year. So that said, it's, it's great news that, you know, this is kind of what they're comfortable with going into the first week of the season or cutting down to rather, because that just means that Ramondre, they, they view him as a workhorse that no, you know, no problem with that. And they're good with Zeke as the backup. So I think it just means tons of volume for, for, for Ramondre. And I mean, maybe a little bit more for Zeke than I, originally anticipated it but i just still don't think it's going to eat that much into into stevenson especially if they're not going to run a third running back i don't know like often at all i don't know what word to use but you know if they're not going to use a a third running back really at all or a pass catching one it's going to be all ramondre and all zeke next one tj hawkinson we talked about him with his uh oh i got an earache my back's a little sore my tummy doesn't feel good (laughs) but today he he got the bag and like you had said last week i bet he feels fine now (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Not a surprise at all. I mean, I, Hawkinson's a good player. I think we've talked about it. I don't know if he elevates above kind of that, like, he hovers in that, like, top five area at five. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he gets the contract here. They clearly like him. They utilized him a ton last year. I mean, wheels up on Hawkinson, you know? No issues there. I personally, I mean, if I could, I guess the actionable information off of this that I would try to push is... If you have Hawkinson, something I've been wanting to do, but I think this gives an opportunity to do it with a little boost, is move on from him. I would like to try to get up to an Andrews, up to maybe even a Kyle Pitts, like anything with a little bit more upside because we know what Hawkinson is at this point. So if I could tear up somehow off this news, even adding like, you know, Hawkinson in a second, you know, and get up to that, then I would love to do that. If you're competing, would you try to tear down, say, well, actually, I don't know if it's tear down. Like, what, what would you put Waller and Hawkinson? this year yeah sure if you're competing i wouldn't mind tearing down technically like dynasty wise because obviously you're giving up dynasty value there to waller i'd have to i mean what do you have to get back to feel comfortable with that some kind of uh developmental player with with real potential or a second i don't know if you're gonna get a first back on that maybe you get a first back on that. no i don't think at first a second though you think no, i don't think so. a second maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah i think, I, think I might be able to do that. i mean that that kind of follows your offseason uh rules of, of going after seconds right like that's that's kind of your motto yes so I, I see i see that for sure and you know you can kind of come up with the case where waller is is a two-year kind of window player not yeah. just a one year and and then maybe that makes a lot more sense now i don't know what situation i would really want to do that in personally unless you just are trying to gain value and that's kind of what you're trying to do you know yeah i think they're probably similar. just thinking yeah i want to tear up JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, back to practice, back to practice, catching balls, kind of, uh, not exactly like just hands catching, but catching <laughs> balls nonetheless. They had him out there in the red shirt today saying, hey, don't touch this guy. Mm-hmm. But there's optimism, especially local media, that you know he might be ready by, you know, uh, at least suit up maybe week one and uh, start to play come week two. I, I hope some people bought a little dip on JSN. Not worried about him at all, man. I think uh, I just made a bold prediction on the factory tour saying that JSN would be the wide receiver one uh, on the Seahawks by the end of the season. I think in terms of uh, targets and points, I think that's a, that's very possible. A lot of potential for that to happen. I think it's very bold. Very bold for sure. Yes. I like it though. I like bold. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, pup. So, of course, so Miami, Green Bay, uh, some other teams are like, we're – 
trying to get Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. Obviously, nothing worked out for them, so they're going to put Jonathan Taylor on Pup, which means he's going to be missing at least four weeks. Mm. This is just such I hate Ursay. Ursay could go for himself. (laughs) It is so bad. It is so bad because, you know, uh, especially when you have Jonathan Taylor on, like, a contending roster, which that's this is what this is coming from because I Mm -hmm. personally have this going on right now. And I'm gonna not have him for four weeks. Like, what do I do? Like, just go and try to trade for somebody who is gonna score points for four weeks, <laughs> and get something back. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to do right now. Like, it just, I just gotta sit and wait for four weeks and hope that he comes back and like wants to be good at football when there's no reason for him at all to like want to be good at this job. It's just like anybody any type of blue collar job, or I guess maybe even an office job. I don't really know, but. If you're not getting compensated or feel like you're getting compensated at a highly rate, there's really nothing there to make you like want to do good. Like just go through the motions, show up, clock in, do your thing, and go home. And so I'm worried that like after four weeks, yeah, maybe Jonathan Taylor does play for the Colts, but like is only there playing for the Colts. Like, yeah, I'll run the ball. Like I don't really care. Like I'm just kind of concerned about like what level of optimism and like how. Is he going to achieve or is he just going to, you know, overachieve? Like, what, how willing is he going to be to, like, just go out there and be a stud? Like, because he's probably going to be concerned about getting hurt. If he gets hurt, then that's really going to screw him in the end. I just, you know, all this stuff's going through my head right now. Just, it's absolutely, it's just like, it's just, it's just terrible. It's a terrible feeling right now, Billy. I'm not liking it. It totally is. I mean, we're going to talk about at least, uh, at least one trade that I tried to make that I just I don't understand how it didn't get done, but you could just see how low people are on him, and it's probably coming from some of the sentiment that that you're giving off right now. Yeah, it's really worrisome. Uh, I you know at some point you think that he's going to just it, it's, it's going to work itself out, whether it's a trade, you know, next year at some point he's going to be okay. If if I'm moving him, I'm really not giving like a huge discount. Like I'm I'm going to need it to be like somebody who is just willing to take on JT and his baggage right now and and has the depth to kind of give up near market value of, you know, what he actually is. I, I just, I cannot get get rid of a player of, of his caliber at such a low value, knowing for sure that unless this is Le'Veon Bell, he's going to return to top, you know, five running back type status. From that perspective, it's really hard to like move on from him. But there is the worry that, yeah, like he just sits out this year. I don't think it can it's going to happen because if he does, he's stuck with the Colts again because he loses his his year of, elig- of eligibility. Like it, essentially this year doesn't count if he doesn't play for them. So then he's still tied to the Colts. He doesn't just become a free agent all of a sudden. So I'm not sure like what his options are going to be once we, you know, the pup thing is done unless they just are like, nope, still not healthy. I are, you know what I mean? Like that could happen. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah. And and so it there is a possibility he doesn't play at all this year. And unfortunately, unless you come across, you know, like I said, a manager who's willing to kind of give up fair value, I think you're just going to have to eat a year on it. I, I don't know how else to to go about it, really. And, you know, yeah. And I'm willing to, like, package him with another player to kind of go to the, the Gibbs territory type thing. You know what I mean? Like, to just move off him for that and, like, again – let another manager take on a ton of value and him and, and eventually they'll recoup it when he, you know, comes back. But in the interim, at least I have 
something to use. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that'll that'll give me yeah. near value. I'll never get the value that I gave up back to get this, you know, done. But at least I can still contend if that's your goal. If your goal isn't to contend this year, then you just wait it out. All right. Uh, this one's fun. It's, I don't think it really matters much for Dynasty, but just something that we talked about. And as a dude that you are high on and you liked uh, in your film studies, Jake Bobo. Jake Bobo, he did not get cut. He made the 53-man roster. He's going to be out there week one. Again, it doesn't really mean a whole lot for us. Like I don't see like he's going to be a viable fantasy starter but just as far as nfl news goes like jake bobo man he made the team how about that yeah a, a guy that we talked about in the the prospect review portion of the off season and liked him a bit obviously didn't really get the dc but he's performing out there and i think like you said carved out he's you know carved out some kind of role on the team made the team made a 53 i don't you know I, it's gonna take obviously lock it to to leave for him to ever see like real playing time but uh man you have to have probably like 35 man rosters to to really consider him as a stash i think at all uh so yeah unless you're if you're playing like we have some 30 man rosters i probably wouldn't pick him up but i like him like he's a big dude like he could carve out like a role in the nfl where he becomes like flex worthy down the road but it's 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 very unlikely just a guy we like though yes well said uh, next one, Jeff Wilson to IR. So the Miami Dolphins don't have – they love Jeff Wilson right there, right? They love Jeff, Wolf, Jeff Wilson. They love Mossert. They came over from San Francisco with McDaniels. They have Devon A. Chain and basically Mossert. That's all they really have right now. So does this move up like a priority for you to go out and try to get – a-Chain and see what, what goes on here. Yeah, I, I well, uh, A-Chain, um, sure. Or Mossert, right? So like a fourth from Mossert. Uh, yeah, like I like think I'm more like, it's like a lot of my teams are contending. You know, not to say that in any way. That's just kind of how I approach it. So I think I'd, I'd more likely be spending less to go get a part of the starting backfield that, that they're more comfortable with, which is Mostert and A-Chain has a shoulder injury. Now in in dynasty, obviously, yeah, I I, I wouldn't mind going after a chain, but he seems to be pretty expensive. I was looking at it on dynasty trade calculator, and he was like near like a mid to late first value, and like that's a lot for a chain right now. I feel like, and and I don't, I don't know. I just uh, I, I'm not willing to go out and really spend that to take the shot on whatever that that whole situation ends up being in, in Miami, the the committee that is that system. So I'd, I'd much more likely go get Raheem Mostert. Like in redraft just now, I got him like the 15th or the last round, you know what I mean, of, of this redraft league. So he's still, I think, not on everybody's radar. Yeah, I think they brought in uh, Darrington Evans today also. Mm-hmm. If I mean, that's not – I don't think that's any I real – I believe that's true. I don't know if that's any real uh, <laughs> uh, threat. I don't think so either. All right, Arizona, they released Colt McCoy. And everyone was thinking, oh, man, they're really tanking. Because they, like, having Colt McCoy as the quarterback for your team isn't markedly better in any type of way than it would be for, let's see, they traded for Dobbs out of Cleveland for, like, a six-round pick or something like that. And then Clayton Toon. Like, he's not really an upgrade. Like, I don't feel any differently about the Arizona players today than I did two weeks ago. Like it's the same. It's the same thing. 
right? Or, or do you think this makes them like they're they're thinking more than than they were before? Like, I don't, I don't. It's not like they're like releasing like this like otherworldly quarterback. Like, oh my god, they would have been so good if Colt McCoy was just a quarterback. Like, no. Nah. I mean, it kind of gives off that like, like first. I mean, trading <laughs> trading for Josh Josh Dobbs is just kind of mind melting. I don't really understand that. But that aside, again. I just don't get it. You gave up capital to have what is like Josh Jobs is probably worse than Colt McCoy. Let's be honest. So to have a worse player there when you could have just had Colt McCoy there and played Clayton tune, I don't even understand that move, but yeah, like it just gives off the stink of like, we're just completely tanking this season. Other than that, I mean, no, it doesn't make me feel necessarily worse about the, the players. I mean, I get, it kind of does, honestly, it does, but you shouldn't feel worse about them. It's probably the same but it does make me feel worse about him. I don't know. Like the, the prospect of Josh Dobbs ever getting a start just makes me feel like any potential receiving production is going to be minim- minimized. You know what I mean? Like at least with Clayton Toon, I can imagine like he can get the guy the ball within like, you know, five yards of himself. So how do you feel about Colin Murray? Colin Murray got the deal last year. And he got extended. That's a better conversation. Yeah. So say this team sucks, which they probably will. Mm-hmm. And they actually end up in a situation where they could get Caleb Williams or Drake May, but Caleb Williams is just better. What do you do with Kyler? He's very highly drafted. Does he go the way of Trey Lance? <laughs> I, you know me. I'm. You know not, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not one to buy into Kyler. I'm not a big Kyler fan. So you're not going to see me out here like, yeah, go trade for Kyler. But I, I mean, all this does for me is is kind of bring more uncertainty to the situation not because i think like they're trying to i i I, honestly it's just hard to decipher what they're trying to do which brings uncertainty like if they're going to tank this hard caleb's going to be there so are they going to trade the pick if they potentially get number one are they just going to go not go caleb which seems ridiculous so then i think okay maybe kyler's not there next year i just don't know so what while i'm already you know pessimistic about his situation and and the player and the future. Like I heard somebody say, you know, he has like seven years of potential production. And it's like, I don't know what makes you so certain that he has seven years of anything left in this league. Like, I don't know. And, uh, and with the injury coming back, like maybe I'll, I'll have egg on my face with this one and that's fine if I do, but uh, yeah, I'm just staying away, man. I'm just staying away from the whole situation until I. Th- these are those situations though where like you get guys really cheap. You obviously can get them super cheap. So he's he's worth whatever the price is right now. I'll say that. I- I'm sure he is. I'm just not willing to kind of take on the baggage in most situations. Cool. Another thing that's more like NFL related. I saw. I don't have all the specifics, but I'm gonna paraphrase the hell out of this. But one of the people working for Arizona is being accused of having like a burner phone that he can make conversations with other organizations about other players, kind of like, a, you know, Miami got in trouble for uh, oh, okay. recently and they lost their first round pick. So like tampering in a way so, on this? Yeah, basically tampering, right? So I just saw it today and didn't like read too much into it. So I say I'm paraphrasing the hell out of it, but there's a situation where like somebody in that front office could get in trouble. And what if they did lose their first round pick? They suck so bad. They're in line to get Caleb Williams, but then they lose their first round pick. Like, how terrible would that be to look as an organization? Like, they're a pretty bad. They got to be one of the, one of the worst organizations now. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we said yeah. it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're already a, a pretty shoddy organization, you know, by all accounts. So it wouldn't take much to yeah. to kind of get there. Like, I, I, it wouldn't shock me. You know what I mean for for that to happen. But yeah, it's just a brutal situation, and I want to stay as far away from it as possible. I don't know. Like what? What's the price? Right, like uh, what's the price? Sorry, what's the price you're comfortable with paying no. for Kyler Murray? God, I just don't want him. I know there is no. I I don't want him. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. If you were interested, if you were interested, if somebody, if I saw somebody else make a trade and it was like a late first, early second, or something like that, just straight up, I I'd be like, okay, sure. Like I'm, I can't, I can't hate on that, but I wouldn't do it. What's it going for on the uh, the old calculators? I'm checking right now. I'm I'm right there, Kyler. Right. Okay, so he's going 33 value. So let's just say 24 first mid. Take another like about another mid first or like a couple seconds. So like a first and a couple seconds worth of value. Just you know, just to kind of give it a pick value to make some sense of it. I'm not doing that. I I just I I don't know what's going on with that team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I but it doesn't have to be on that team. So, like, I do see the the world where, like, he's traded and now he's, like, got a job again and it's a better situation. Now he's on the Patriots with Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Some some wild stuff where you're like, holy crap, like, this is a great situation. Oh, what I'm hearing is uh, Billy wants Kyler as his quarterback. I mean, I would much team. rather Kyler than, than Mac Jones. Let's be clear Mac. about that. But, <laughs> but I could see the world where that happens. So I think that I like, if that was the price, I don't think that's the price in most situations, but we're talking about him being lower value. If I can get that on like a rebuilding team, like for, you know, a first and a second type value, I think I would, I would do that in the right situation. I'm not going out there on my contending teams and trying to make room for this to happen. I'm not trying to do that. I don't really need to do that. But, uh, but if, if I have the, the extra picks, you know, so if I have somebody's late first and and some extra seconds, I might be willing to make this move if I need a need a quarterback and I'm trying to invest in something. All right, uh, last one, Kendra Miller. Yeah, uh, left practice with a hammy, and this is what a couple weeks after he had a knee injury. So this is this is two injuries now uh, to a guy who's kind of in line to like, if all things went well and he stayed healthy. You know, I could see a pretty good role for him. But this just makes me want to kind of just stay away from Kendra Miller altogether. How do you feel? Definitely a tough situation when, when you see multiple injuries this early for a rookie, right? When you want to see them getting going uh, quickly, yeah. especially the running back situ- you know, situation, I think. Guys like, you know, a third-round pick or whatever. So you want to see them getting in there to to start their kickstart their career and have some success. I've never been a Kendra guy. I'm I'm not out here like going after him at all in dynasty i'm ready to be wrong on him if that's the case so be it but uh, I, I think he can be a i think he, he can play in the nfl don't get me wrong i just don't think he's a guy who is going to take over the backfield and become like an every down back that's just not the kind of guy i see him as but the, the more i see him play i definitely think that he has some uh, better traits maybe better skill set than i gave him credit for in certain areas uh, especially the the receiving work which he, you know, something I can maybe take back with me when, you know, analyzing the prospects next year in terms of he didn't, he wasn't used in the passing game. And that was, that was about where it stops. It's not that he's not good at receiving. It's that the coaching staff and the team just didn't really utilize the position that way. And sometimes you need to dig in a little bit further and make sure you know that. So I think he might be a better pass catcher than 
I gave him credit for. Outside of that, I'm, I'm not out here trying to go get him. I don't even think the injury is really giving you much of a buy window in Dynasty, to be honest with you. All right. Well, that's pretty much all the news and nonsense. Also, you know, Alvin Kamara is kind of the same draft capital. Um, he had kind of the same uh, profile coming in as far as we're not really sure what to do with this guy. So maybe Kendra Miller will be something. Except I'm pretty sure he was absolutely amazing in college. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure Alvin Kamara had, like, an insane profile coming out, if, if I remember correctly. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, just production-wise. Like, I mean, I can, I can tell okay. you right now. This is my segment coming up here, but I, I do want to see Alvin Kamara. Really. This is your segment, yes. Yeah, it, it was just that, you know, it was just that he was, yeah, he was ridiculous. It was just, like, limited work, but it was, he had played two years. In 2015, he had 107 attempts on the ground, 698 yards for six and a half on average per carry seven touchdowns on the ground. Then he caught 34 passes that same year for 291 yards, three touchdowns. So he was just a, a dual threat machine. Then the next year, same, pretty much the same thing, 103 yards, 596, nine touchdowns. And then he had 40 receptions for 392 and 9.8 average per catch there and four touchdowns. So I think he was, he was showing what he could do. Like there was no doubt right, you're right, this yeah. guy. And then it was two years and they're like, get over here. We want you in the league and we're going to, we're going to make you a stud. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if necessarily. I didn't play dynasty back then. So I don't think I was paying attention to his college at the time. <laughs> I didn't either, but I, I just remember um, I was really into the NFL always happens. Okay. This next one, honestly, a lot of this stems from like wanting to actually just come up with like actionable stuff, like wanting to, to bring some good content to the people, but also like I, as you know, throughout my like writing and podcasting career, I've, I've become more interested, less interested rather in like the, the, you know, the hot takey stuff, like the, the player takes and stuff like that. Right. I'm, I'm more interested in like uh, longer form research and whatnot. So I decided to jump into, cause I was interested in, in guys like Derek Henry and Josh Jacobs. Uh, who's the other one that's in this list that I'm, I'm trying to do off the top of my head, but Nick Chubb, sorry, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, sorry, you, you confused me with Najee. Najee's was 2021. 2022, he didn't have 300 plus carries. So he was on this list for one reason or another, but not that reason. What I was saying is, you know, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, this coming year, we, we do have some 300, 300 plus attempt seasons, and we really don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, and I, I include Derrick Henry in there because he's an absolute alien and has kind of defied the odds based on the research that I've just built <laughs> that I've come up with here. He's just built different, but um, I'm, I'm kind of talking around it. So uh, what I was interested in with these guys, I'm like, what, what generally happens to, this is kind of like a Peter Howard thing, thing. I feel like I'm like, I want to just actually know what kind of happens. I, I don't want to kind of guess or like theorize like we always do. It's like, what happens after mm -hmm. a 300 plus attempt season? So what I did was I pulled over the last 13 years from 2010 to present all the 300 plus attempt seasons. I wanted to kind of hone in on more of what we can call modern era, right? Which is more reflective of kind of what's happening. And, and I did actually pull the entire data set and I actually then narrowed it down to two different data sets. One was 2010 to present and one was 97 to 2010 to make it even 13 years a piece, right? 13 years, yeah, 13 years a piece, right? To, to kind of just get those two, we'll call them eras and capture those two. And what the, there was a stark difference just in looking at that, which was from the data set uh, from our modern era, 2010 to now, it was just 31 players, 31, not players, sorry, 31, 300 plus attempt seasons, a couple duplicates in there because there was Zeke and Derrick Henry, who both have had multiple, a couple other guys. 
in the the two in the ninety seven to two thousand and ten data set, there's a hundred and seventeen, I think it was. So just you know, a decrease of seventy five percent in our era, we'll call it, of three hundred plus attempt rushers, which is wild. Just that that alone is wild. But uh, when I dug into the numbers, I kind of I, I found what I thought I was going to find. And just to give you an idea of what I was pulling here, I was pulling what I started with was three hundred plus attempt season data, and then I grabbed the year one plus is what I call the data, which would be the year after the 300 plus attempt season to see what their production and efficiency was like. And I pulled a ton of different metrics. I pulled in what I started with. I started with just like really, really simple stuff. Started with the attempts the following season, the yards the following season, the points per game, the PPR points per game the following season, because again, points per game is is one of the best predictors of future following year success, those kind of things. So I wanted to look at that mainly. And then I was like, well, let me just dig granular because I'm doing it anyway. Let me go to like fantasy points over expected per game. Uh, I, I went into like PFF stats, like, you know, missed tackles force per game, yards after contact, elusive rating, uh, rush fantasy points over expected, rushing touchdown percentage. Like I just kind of went really granular on it too to kind of just make sure I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they were still super efficient the following year. Holy crap, you know? So from the raw results from the overall population, there's definitely some filtering you can do. There's some injury uh, or, you know, game threshold filtering you can do. You can kind of remove some of the guys who played less than 13 games who who obviously had less production, but on a per game basis might have scored more points, which I don't want in my data set necessarily. Right. So a guy like, for example, a guy like LaShawn McCoy had a 300 plus attempt season. Are these... uh? Just rush attempts or are they uh, opportunities? Not right. touches, just rush, just rush attempts. I don't know. I was trying to hone in on kind of the rushing work and what the rush, the pure rushing work does to their their future production overall and what it does to their specific rushing efficiency, which is kind of what I included in here. But what I was saying for LaShawn McCoy, like a guy who, who, who like him had an amazing season in 2012, I think, 2013, comes back and misses a ton of games. Uh, but his points per game were above his previous year, his 300 plus attempt season, which is atypical, right? Typically what we see on average is the year after the 300 plus attempt season, a decrease in points per game. That is what we typically see. For LaShawn McCoy, you saw an increase. And I'm like, what? Why? Why was there an increase? I want to see why there was an increase on this guy, not the others. And I go and look and I'm like, oh, he played eight games. Like, that's why. Because, you know, he had he had less yards, less everything. But it was so I was trying to kind of filter out for those kind of things um, in certain situations. So I have two different results tabs. One's for just the 13 or more games, which would be the healthy players generally. And then uh, I had one with the entire data set. So for our purposes, I'll just talk about the entire data set for right now. Uh, but I did want to kind of just get into that because that is part of the data. And that's just something you got to think about, especially when we're on a limited data set here of 31, I'll, you know, admittedly. But again, it's rare to have 300 plus attempt seasons. So generally you're, you're working with similar profiles type players anyway. So yeah, just getting down to the results, they weren't great. They weren't great. So the average percent no, like yeah the average percent decrease in points per game for only the players who decrease the following season so just those guys like getting rid of the guys who increase just the average percent of decrease is 21% which is significant very much the overall average percent of decrease is 11% even including just the entire 
data set of, of guys. There's some guys filtered out of there because uh, like uh, Le'Veon Bell 2018 didn't play, right? Nick Chubb this this year, we don't know yet. So there's like four guys who are filtered out of um, who I, I didn't include in the results because they don't obviously have results for the following year, for the year plus one. That's why we're down to like 27. Anyway. Okay. Average percent increased. So only the players who increased, which there, again, there were a couple players who increased the following year. And I'm, I didn't care whether it was injury related or not. I just included them in there just to kind of give us that number. And it was 15 points. Okay. On average, the players who, you know, who do increase, which is, which is very few, it's, it's just above 15%. They increase by 15. So Percent of players whose points per game year plus one season decrease is 74.0%. So the majority of the field is decreasing in terms of points per game. The average game is played in the year plus one is 13 games. Now, some of these seasons obviously were, were not 17, 18 game seasons because we're going back yeah. a while. Still though, 13 games is, is <laughs> less than all games played, obviously. So, which is probably on average for kind of, what a, a typical running back season is anyway, honestly. Uh, most guys probably don't play. Yeah, at this game. point, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a bunch more metrics here, but I looked at stuff like, again, average uh, fantasy points over expected per game difference, average break, breakaway attempts difference, average elusive run rate, all these different metrics that I'm not going to just go through, all negative, every single one of them negative. Every single one of them went in the wrong direction the following year. Uh, if we just looked at the 13 or more game results, the numbers get slightly better in terms of the efficiency stuff. Uh, some of them even out slightly, like the the rushing touchdown percentage is dead even to zero, right? Which whatever, but like almost everything is still about the same. It's it's all negative for the efficiency uh, the following year. So there's still some more work to do here. I, I got a lot of the data I wanted to get. I, I still have some stuff to look into before I really pin it down and, and create an article from it. But it, it's not surprising what I found, but I wanted to actually get down to the details and I wanted to get down to the answer. And I feel like I found an answer for myself at least, which is we need to be really cautious with these 300 plus attempt guys. And like, I'm, I'm fairly well invested in some Derrick Henry this year and I'm, less comfortable with it after this research. Uh, you know, these guys can still be really good, but I think they inevitably take a step back in some way because they're just, the, the usage is so hard to keep up. Like the following season, most of them don't even see the, the 300 plus attempts again. So just from a volume perspective, they're, they're not getting the opportunities. So, you know, do you really think that Josh Jacobs is going to be one of you know, he's going to be the 32nd to make it to a 300 plus touch season. And, and one of the, you know, like, I don't know how many duplicates are there or how many guys on here have at least two, but it's, you know, half of them probably at best, you know, have two plus three. And he's going to be one of those guys. Those are the kind of things you have to ask yourself. Is Nick Chubb going to be one of those guys? Him probably more likely than Josh Jacobs, I think. But what does that mean? Is that good? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm concerned about guys who have these, these kind of workloads. Uh, Zeke's numbers, declined each year even with the attempts so yeah be careful with the 300 plus touch guys and and i think you know if anything i want only one of them on my team if i can help it and then try to mitigate whatever disaster could potentially happen
<laughs> based on this data. So rostering Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, and Derrick Henry on your contending team is uh, scary. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I would say I would, <laughs> I would definitely. I, I just, you know, um, the odds are one of those guys is probably going to bust in some sort of fashion, get injured, miss half the games. You know, I'm not betting on that. I'm just the odds based on kind of the data are that something happens in that following season that is going to negatively impact their their production. You know, if I'm betting on one of these guys to do it, you probably just bet on Henry because he's done it multiple times before and he's been pretty good still. But Nick Chubb probably good to do it again, I think, too. I, I think Josh Jacobs probably doesn't see the 300 touches again, which might be fine. Probably for him. Not. Or not 300 touches, sorry, 300 rush attempts. He probably will see plenty over 300 touches on that team uh, with the receiving work he's going to get. But I, I really am concerned about kind of the efficiency. And then especially after this year, I mean, if they're going to get that work again, it's it's basically a death knell for, for Nick Chubb, who's 27, for Derrick Henry's 29. Maybe Josh Jacobs can can you know live on a little bit, but I think it's going to be that kind of workload is a is a pretty significant hit to your to a running back's career. It seems like so. I would want to be getting out of them this year at some point, if possible. Definitely before next year. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough situation because there's no like perfect answer for it. You have to judge it. But I would definitely be looking to to find a way out if possible, which is not that easy with a guy like Derrick Henry, for sure. The other one's probably easier. It's not. Well done, man. I mean, it, the results are kind of what you would expect to see, but at least just like knowing for sure, it, it kind of helps. Sometimes you get into this, like, and then that's what I kind of like about like how we, me and you, we, we do, we do the research on these things. Every once in a while, like you find out it's completely opposite of what you thought it was in the first place. Kind of what you're doing with the uh, the went above replacement type of stuff, or the uh, went over replacement player, realizing just how insignificant you know uh, uh, the QB three on your your superflex team is. So it's fun. Every once in a while, you you find something that you didn't really expect. But yeah, this is really good. Uh, I'm starting to really hate my favorite dynasty team now, but we'll figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. It's interesting data. I think I think a lot of people get like overly excited when it's like they're going to get 300 touches but from a dynasty perspective like i think i'm going to probably shift the way my like my perspective on it a little bit not in the moment necessarily because you're getting such a great value in terms of production out of this guy but i'm going to be thinking to myself the whole time like when is the perfect time to get out of this guy right like if he's going to be a 300 touch guy, like if Bijan's going to be a 300 touch guy, yeah, year one probably won't happen. I think he's probably more likely to be in like the 280 ish range. So I don't think that's going to happen. But at some point, it's going to happen with Arthur Smith, right? And I'm not saying yes. like just move off of him, but gauge the situation, look at it, think about what those touches are doing to that player throughout the year towards the end of the season. Just kind of you know look at what you're you're getting here, and then you know. Look at this data. I mean, I'm going to publish an article about it. It'll be out there. I don't know, man. I, there, there's something here. It's not a perfect science, but you look at a lot of these guys, and it didn't. It didn't really matter, you know, what age they were, when it was, uh, who they were. Very few of them improved the the following season. You know who did improve the following season, which was wild. Ray Rice. Ray Rice. 
Was this before or after he he, well, he, he beat the crap out of somebody? But it was uh, it was Allegedly. just before. <laughs> it was just before. Yeah. Oh, that's right. 2010, 2011, <laughs> Ray Rice was was just absolute dominance. But yeah. I was looking at your your spreadsheet here. We can move on real quick. But I saw the uh, I was looking up for like who had the most rush attempts out of your your spreadsheet, and Demarco Murray was really high up there. And I remember that season because Demarco Murray finished the 2013 season. Like the last five games, they finally were using him. Three hundred and ninety-two and he was just like game attempts. Busters. Yes, and so <laughs> I remember uh, drafting no him in two thousand fourteen, second year of college there. And as we had a fantasy league with uh, guys from school, and I drafted Mark Murray. I still got him pretty, uh, pretty cheap, like third round, fourth round, or something like that, because he didn't really do anything the year before. But you could tell his usage was going up. And I, that's the first year I ever won fantasy was 2014. And it was on the shoulders of DeMarco Murray. And I think San Francisco defense too kind of helped quite a bit. But I just, I just remember that's that awesome. year quite a bit. And he, he left to awesome. the Eagles. And I was like, you son of a bitch. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, bad move because he went went that uh, – was it the Eagles or he went to Tennessee? Eagles. And then Tennessee later? Okay. Yes, and then Tennessee yeah. after that, yeah. It was, uh, he had 193 attempts the following season for 702 yards. So, very drastic shift. Yeah. Uh, Grass ain't always greener, bud. <laughs> no, and that was a nine. And he had a nine point difference in his, uh, his points per game that season. Yeah, 2014, I'll always remember it. <clears throat> hell of a year for you, Uriah. It was hell of a year. Martin. Yeah. You know, Dallas went on. They, they, they went and they beat the Lions in the uh, playoffs. They went up against – that was the Des Catch year. Yeah, so 2014. That's the year I graduated college. So, uh, yeah, I always remember that. Awesome. All right, enough of me. Trades and non-trades. Let's hop into it. Jimmy G or Mac Jones? Mac Jones. Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones. Jimmy G's going to get passed around the league a little bit. It's going to happen. He's going to be here. He's going to be there. And then he's going to be nowhere. Mac Jones, like, there's a situation where he ends up getting an extension there. He might be your quarterback for the next six or seven years. So I'm going to take Mac Jones just based off of, I don't know, uh, is more safe. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy G's getting passed around like a blunt, apparently, like you say. And uh, yeah, I just yeah, I think I don't think he might. <laughs> Mac Jones is wildly underrated right now in like every single format. Like it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, he's like the last quarterback going in in superflex best ball drafts, like in tournament drafts. It's, it's insane. Like he's it, I, they might be absolutely dog shit, but if not, like he's gonna be. He might be good. Like he might be okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying he's gonna be great, but he's definitely gonna be serviceable and better than like I. I don't know. I think people are like in love with like. Sam Howell and these guys, like, I don't know why you don't like Mac Jones over Sam Howell. So I kind of view uh, Mac Jones the same way. Like, I think Pickett, I think Pickett's probably going to be better than like people think. Uh, oh, he I came would on last year. Mac Jones, though. Well, yeah, yeah, but I still think he's pretty undervalued. So, yes, very, very much so. Similarly, similarly, I agree with you. All right. So, this is one I got an offer at DU League. So, whoever's listening, they'll be able to. Talk about it. So I got an offer for A-Chain, Bigsby, Charbonnet, and Mims for C.D. Lamb. Yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly who sent this offer because <laughs> cause I got the same one, essentially. Oh, okay. 
this is me putting four quarters to make a dollar. And like, there's a situation in life, depending on where your team is at, where maybe you don't need CV. What I can't, it actually sounds crazy. Like you always need CV, but (laughs) if you're rebuilding, like maybe you take like four dart throws, but like, I just cannot, like, there's absolutely no way I'll give up CD lamb, a guy that's just going to be in my roster week in, week out, whatever. Even if it is for like some pretty nice new shiny pieces like A-Chain, Bixby, Charbonnet, and Mims. So uh, I'm going to reject it. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, no. I, I got a similar offer for JT actually minus one of these pieces, if I'm not mistaken, which is absolutely mind-bending. But yeah, no, I just can't do it. Like, like you said, it's just bad process to give up studs for you know, four dart throws, four pieces, four shiny toys, even if one or two of them work out in, in some sort of way, they're probably not going to ever reach CD Lamb's value. And and CD Lamb is like one of, you know, he's a lot of people's like third dynasty wide receiver overall. Like, I don't know sure. in what world, in what world we're going after CD for this. Like I can understand sending this for JT right now because he's got a whole situation. I don't really get it for Lamb, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm good on this. Next one, I think this is actually from Josh. I pulled it from our Discord. He had gotten an offer where he would receive, I believe, Dobbins, Pacheco, and Hyatt, and he would give up Najee, Khalil, and Conklin. And I thought I'd want the Dobbins side. I think I'd just rather have Dobbins, Pacheco, and Hyatt. I think all three will actually be uh, serviceable fantasy players for your team this year and maybe even going on a little bit further. Najee's one of those guys trying to get out of, we talked about last year with his workload and it kind of rang true. What he did in his second year was not great. Khalil Herbert isn't a lock to actually be the guy uh, for the majority of the season, maybe starting the season, but he has somebody probably better behind him. And then Conklin is like, whatever, right? So how do you feel about it? I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm higher on Dobbins than than most for sure uh, this year and and beyond. I mean, 24 years old uh, on a on a really great team. You know, a year removed from this injury, and he was hi- he's always been hyper efficient. He was hyper efficient when he came back from the injury right before he had to get that cleanup surgery. So I, I really like him this year in this offense. Uh, you know, neither one of these guys in terms of Najee or Dobbins is catching a ton of passes, but I think. Dobbins might have opportunity to catch. Let me not even say that. Probably have an opportunity to catch the same amount of passes. So I'd rather have Dobbins regardless. And then uh, you can make up whatever you want about Pacheco and Cleo. They're probably about the same. And then, yeah, give me Hyatt over Conklin for sure. So yeah, anyway, you break it down. I think you're going to end up with, with the Dobbins side here. And I know it's probably hard for Josh to move on from, from Najee, but I think it's good process if he does and did. I agree. I, I 100% agree. Honestly, I mean, whenever you're like giving up, you're giving away Conklin, like who cares? So basically it's Najee and Khalil for Dobbins, Pacheco, and then, you know, Flyer and Hyatt, who has been having a pretty good camp. So it's hard to give away Najee when you're so attached to a player. Like I know that Josh is, but I think this is a move that like he should probably make. 100%. Absolutely. Okay. Here's another move somebody should have made. So I have a situation where... My running backs are super thin on a team. I have a ton of receivers, and JT goes on the pup list situation. Yada yada yada. I'm trying to fix this for my team in the short term, and I'm like, 
going balls to the wall with it. I'm like, all right, let me let me send JT and Marquise Brown for Gibbs and a third or something like that. I think it or Gibbs and Nico Collins is what it was, right? And flat reject immediately, flat reject. And I was like, what about what about for Gibbs straight up? And they're like, I don't want to move Gibbs. And this this team has like Bijan, Gibbs, uh, Dobbins, like a, a fair bit of depth in terms of running back. So I figured I could snag one off. Now I'm not doing. I'm not willing to do some a similar trade, or I'm not willing to do this trade for sure for Dobbins, obviously. But I'm. But they're willing to give up Dobbins, not willing to give up Gibbs at all. I guess. What are your thoughts on just first? Would you, if you were a Gibbs manager, would you take Marquise Brown and JT? And secondarily, how would you? Would you and how would you manage a trade around JT for Dobbins? So if I had Gibbs, I I probably wouldn't. Uh move off of him for Marquise Brown and JT just because I might want to be scoring points for the first quarter of this season, which we know JT won't do. But if you're trying to get Dobbins, would you be comfortable just giving JT for Dobbins straight up? It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. That's it doesn't feel right. I don't, I I, like to your question. No, I would not feel comfortable (laughs) doing it. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I, I could get myself there and, and I could be, I could get myself into an uncomfortable place and do it. For sure, but what about that? Might be. That what might about be Brandon Ayuk? What about Brandon Ayuk for Dobbins? I know that he's hot for Brandon Ayuk. What do you think about a trade around that? Oh, I would, I would do that. Yeah, you would trade yep. Ayuk for Dobbins. Yep, 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 for sure. If he wants Ayuk, I would, and you could get Dobbins straight up. Just do it. Yeah. Okay, I'll, um, I'll approach that because I need a running back really bad. I'm trying to figure out how to do this, and that would save me a JT too. And I'm kind of concerned about Ayuk with Purdy, so. But we'll see. Yeah, I, maybe I'm getting too caught in the the hype with Ayuk and, and the Ayuk truthers because, I mean, I, I think Ayuk's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, I love that. I mean, he's the player you want on your team, but if you're trying to get another running back that's going to score you points for the first four weeks of the season, then, yeah, try to go get Dobbins. Uh, Ayuk for Dobbins seems, like a, seems fine to me. Okay. All right, cool. Okay, I saw this one come through the same league. Actually, I'm trying to do – I'm trying to move or get a running back or whatever. Somebody put – Barkley on the wire and I went after him and this happened. Uh Saquon Barkley plus Deontay Johnson plus Miles Sanders plus a 24 first, which will probably be late for CMC and Josh Jacobs. Both contenders, I'd say. Uh give me the Barkley side, yeah. I think I'd get off with CMC and Jacobs for Barkley and Sanders. I'm not gonna do what CMC and Jacobs does. De- having Deontay added extra helps you with your one uh wide receiver room and then if things go south, you ended up with another first. So I think I might do that. Yeah, I think I might too, especially, you know, we're talking about the the 300 plus exactly. attempt seasons. You have a Josh Jacobs in there. And to be honest with you, Christian McCaffrey's never had one of those, but uh, he certainly had those crazy touch seasons and, you know, in terms of receptions and rushing attempts. So uh, I think we could, you know, consider him in there as well potentially especially with his age and injury history it's i think it's the whole profile so yeah i think given that like i wouldn't mind moving off for barkley like you said i don't love sanders necessarily in terms of the production but you do get that deontay value in there and you get that 24 first to to cover your ass in case it all goes south so yeah i i i I think i would lean the package i think sanders and jacobs end up a little bit closer than we think yeah and then uh, I think Barkley and CMC end up a little bit closer than some people think. And so you're kind of adding 
Keontae Johnson to help you with your wide receiver points, and then you're getting a first just in case shit hits the fan. Yeah, that first did get kind of thrown in there for for shits and gigs. I mean, this is a one QB league, so the the first is slightly less valuable than sure. we typically see, but nonetheless, a first is a first, and uh, and that's good value. So yeah, yeah, I, I do think that it's a it's kind of a fair trade though. It like, is fair. Yeah, it. I, I do think one side gets kind of the edge because it's dynasty, and they get the more liquid and valuable asset long-term assets long-term, I guess, technically, but I think it's fair, especially in a contender mindset, very fair deal. It's kind of what you have to do if you want to go for elite production and you might not get it, but you're going for it. Shooting for the moon. Cool, man. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, not this week, man. We got week. I mean, next time we talk, what we're, are we going to be on before the first game of the season next week? Yeah, I think we'll go on Wednesday. Okay, we'll go on Wednesday. So we'll have one more before the season starts. Uh, we'll chop it up about something. We'll figure it out like we always do. But uh, tune in. Yeah, tune in. Join the Discord. Talk to us. Help us come up with, with more content. And uh, yeah, see you next week. Follow us on Twitter, Dynasty Underdog, at Uri Dawkins, at Willie Beeman, Beeman DFF. And then uh, please join our Discord. It's fun and free. Check us out on YouTube and uh, listen to us on Spotify if you can. Other than that, have a good night. <laughs>